0: We've been in a teaching series called Pathway, and the Pathway is our new discipleship strategy as a church. It's the path that we want all of us to be on together as we become disciples of of Jesus. And in week one, we talked about the importance of worship, how we have been created. We have been hardwired to, to worship, and every single one of us, we worship something or we worship someone. And we believe that God is worthy of our worship. And we worship God individually in our own life with our actions and our attitudes. And we worship God together corporately when we gather on Sunday mornings and we sing and we praise. Last week, we talked about connect, that God has created us for community, that you and I, we were never meant to follow Jesus on our own. Like this isn't an individual sport. This is a team effort. And one of the ways that we connect in community with other believers is through life groups, where we surround ourselves with other believers who are there to encourage us and support us as we follow Jesus. And today, in the third part of the pathway, we're going to talk about serve. Now, anytime somebody begins to talk about serving at church, I think the feeling is often, here we go. Maybe even be some, some eye rolls. And, and listen, I get that. I totally understand. Because at times, when we talk about things like giving or serving, it can feel like it's just, just another thing that we're asking you to do. Another thing that we're wanting from you. Another thing for you to put on your calendar. Another thing for you to try to fit in your busy life and, and your busy schedule. I, I, I totally understand that. But listen, I wanna be up front with you this, this morning. Now, our desire is to see everybody who is connected at Bell Shoals, that this is their church home, to see them serving in some capacity. Whether it's through a ministry here at our church, whether it's through missions, we want to see everyone who's connected to Bell Shoals serving in some capacity. But it's not because we want something from you. It's not because we just have a bunch of slots that we need filled with people so that we can keep doing what we're trying to do here at Bell Shoals. It's because we want something for you. And we truly believe that God's best for you is for you to serve because you have been created, you have been designed by God to serve, to be a contributor, to jump in and be a part of the game. So this morning, what we're we're gonna do is we're gonna look at a passage that I really believe reveals God's heart for you and I to serve. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your iPhones, I'd encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, that's where we're gonna spend our time this morning. Let me provide a a little bit of context as to, to what's going on here. Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem for what will be his final, final trip there. He knows that in a matter of days, he's gonna be betrayed, he's gonna be arrested, and he's gonna be crucified. He knows what's coming. And before they travel into Jerusalem, Jesus, he gathers his disciples, his followers together, and says, hey, we've gotta got have a meeting. And Jesus, you can read it, it's, it's crazy. He gives them literally a play-by-play of what's about to happen, of, of what's going to unfold. He tells them, we're gonna go into the city, they're gonna welcome us, they're gonna celebrate us, but then they're gonna turn on me. And I'm gonna be arrested, I'm gonna be handed over, I'm gonna be beaten, I'm gonna be killed, and three days later, I'm gonna come back to life. Like, he spells it out in that level of detail for these guys, but they clearly are not listening. They're clearly not paying attention, because look at the very next thing that happens after Jesus tells them, hey, I'm about to go die and come back to life. Verse 20, it says this, then the mother of Zebedee's sons. That's talking about James and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples. The mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. Now, my daughter Monroe, she, she starts school tomorrow here at the, the academy. She's two years old, it'll be her first time in school. And I know tomorrow morning my, my wife is gonna get up early and she's gonna get, get my daughter dressed and, do her hair all cute and pick out some shoes that will look real good. And she'll pack her little lunchbox and get her backpack ready. They'll load her up in the in our minivan. We're a minivan family now. Like we're a legit family now. We've got the, the minivan and they're going to drive to school. And when they get here, she's going to help her get out of her car seat and put her little backpack on and hand her a lunchbox and Hold her hand, they're gonna walk up together. And, and I know my wife, she's gonna get some first day of school pictures for Instagram. Even if my daughter's having an absolute meltdown, she'll make it look like this, this magical moment. And she'll take her to class, she'll drop her off, she'll check in with her teacher, make sure she gets settled in. And listen, that is perfectly acceptable. That is perfectly normal because my daughter is two years old. My wife should be taking care of her and walking her to, to class. Now in a few days, I'm starting a a new position at our Apollo Beach campus. And I've got a new commute, I've gotta figure out with the the traffic patterns, and I've got a new office that I need to to get settled in at, and I've got new coworkers I need to get to know that I'm gonna be be working with. But you know what I'm not gonna be doing on my first day of work? Bringing my mom with me. Like she's not gonna pick me up that morning at my house and swing through Starbucks together and get me my favorite drink and and walk me into my new desk and go and meet my boss and, and make sure I'm okay. And you know why she's not gonna do that? Because I'm 30 years old. Like that would just be weird. I would probably be fired day one if I brought my mom into work. Listen, these two grown men, James and John, bring their mommy to work. And they have her go to their boss, Jesus, and make a request on their behalf. They have her speak on, on their behalf right after Jesus has just told them, look, I'm about to be killed and come back to life. And listen to how Jesus responds. I love this. He says, what is it you want? I'm sure he's thinking, like, seriously? Like, this is a joke, right? Like, you're having your mom come and make a request? Like, can you not speak for yourself? Okay, what, what do you need? What, what do you want? And listen to how she responds. She says, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You see, up until this point, Jesus's closest followers and disciples, they were convinced that Jesus was here to establish a kingdom here on earth. That he was going to raise up some army that he would overthrow the the Roman empire that had been uh, oppressing them for years, that he would restore Israel to its place of prominence and that Jesus was gonna establish himself as the new king, the new emperor. And they were gonna be there when it all went down. Like they were gonna be with Jesus when he took power, when he became king. And these 12 disciples, they're all vying for the top spot. Like they wanna be the number one, the number two when Jesus becomes king and James and John and their mom are making this request to Jesus. Hey, when you become king, can we be your, your top guys? And listen to what Jesus says. He says, you don't know what you're asking. You don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. And listen, they, they have no idea what Jesus is talking about here. They have no idea what, what cup he's saying that they, 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 they need to drink from. I'm sure they're like, I'm sure, yeah, we'll drink the cup. Whatever we need to do to be your top guys. But what is Jesus talking about here? What is this cup that he's saying they, they, they would have to drink from? Jesus is talking about the cup of suffering that he's getting ready to endure. He knows that in just a few days he is going to to experience physical pain, physical suffering on the cross. But even more than that, Jesus knew he was getting ready to experience the fullness of God's wrath. As he took on the the weight of all sin, of all mankind from throughout human history, he knew that his father would turn his face from him. He would experience the fullness of God's wrath poured out on the sins of the world. He's saying, can you drink from that cup? And they're like, sure, of course we can. Listen how Jesus responds. He says, you will indeed drink from my cup. You're gonna follow me, you're you're going to suffer. You have no idea what you are stepping into. But to sit at my right or left, that's not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Listen, I have no business giving out these top spots. I, I can't promise you anything. And then look what happens. When the other 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. So the other 10 disciples, they catch wind of the conversation that James and John have just had with Jesus. And they're not happy. Like they're, they're really upset. And they're not upset because they feel like what Jesus has asked for, or what the, James and John have asked Jesus for is inappropriate. They're upset because James and John asked first. And James and John played the mom card. And they're like, are you kidding me? He, they got to him first. They brought their mom. How are we gonna top that? And they, they, they confront James and John. They begin to argue and bicker and fight with one, uh, one another. They're like, I can't believe you would do that. And Jesus, he catches wind of what's going on. He overhears them. And listen to what happens. Verse 25, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lorded over them. And their high officials exercised authority over them. He says, guys, come on, you know how it works in our world. You've seen the way that the the Roman officials, the military officials, the government officials, you've seen how they operate, how they use their power and their authority to their own advantage. They use it to control people. They use it to have people serve them and meet their needs. You've seen the way they've abused their power. You've probably even been on the receiving end of it. You know how they lead, you know how they operate, but listen to what he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. He says, guys, that's not how it's going to work in my kingdom. If you're gonna follow me, it's gonna be different for you, and my kingdom, whoever wants to be great must be a servant. Whoever wants to be first, whoever wants to have that top spot next to me, they must first become a slave. Following me is a race to the back of the line. Like we're gonna do things differently than the way you've seen things done. And here's why, here's your motivation for this. Jesus ends by saying this, verse 28. Just as the son of man talking about himself did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, you you know I don't lead the way that the Roman officials do. I I don't use my power and my authority to to my own advantage. In fact, I have not come to even be served at all. I'm not here to be worshiped. I'm not here to be served. I have come to serve. I have come to give of my life as a ransom for you, as a ransom for many. He says, I'm going to lead different than anyone you've ever seen before. And if you're going to follow me, I expect you to do the same. You know, the apostle Paul, he, he reflects on the life of Jesus and this idea of Jesus being, being a servant. And Listen to what uh, Paul writes in Philippians chapter two. He says this, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, meaning being God in flesh, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Instead, he made himself Nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Paul is saying that Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh, the man who was worthy of all praise, all honor, the man who should have been served, who should have been worshipped, he took the nature of a servant. He made himself nothing, he humbled himself and he poured out his life on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And now, as his followers, as his disciples, as those who claim to believe and trust in Jesus, we have been commanded, not recommended, not suggested, we have been commanded to adopt that same attitude, that same mindset to recognize that we do not exist to be served. We don't exist to have our needs met, we exist to serve. We have been called to humble ourselves, to lower ourselves, to pour out our lives for the sake of others. And this is how we say it at Bell Shoals, we serve because we are contributors, we're not consumers. We believe that as followers of Jesus, we are called to be contributors, not just consumers. You see, a consumer is only focused on themselves. A consumer asks questions like this, how can my church benefit me? How can my church meet my needs? How can my church feed me? What can my church do for me? How can they serve me? How can they be a blessing to me and my family? A consumer is focused on themselves and their own needs, but a contributor is focused outward. Rather than asking how can my church serve me, a contributor asks how can I be a blessing to my church? How can I meet the needs of the people around me? How can I make a difference? How can I serve? A contributor is focused outwards. We serve because we are contributors. We are not just consumers. You know, one of the things that I love most about Bell Shoals is that our church has a heart to serve. And that's not just a tagline, like our church truly has a heart to serve. There are so many people in our church who have caught this vision to serve, who understand that we have been blessed in order to be a blessing. Like we're not just gonna sit on the sidelines, have our needs met, be served by others. No, 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 we're gonna jump in the game and we're gonna serve others. We're gonna meet the needs of others. We're gonna be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And I want to provide just just a few examples of what this looks like at Bell Shoals, how we are a church that serves. You know, just over the past couple of months or over summer, we sent several mission teams out, both locally here in Orlando and to other countries. And people from our church gave up a week of their time, many of them using vacation time to go and to serve other people, to be a blessing, to share the message of Jesus, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Our life groups, our adult life groups here at Bell Shoals, they partner with local ministry partners. And at least twice a year, our adult life groups, they go and they serve these local ministries, ministries like like, like Choices, who are making a difference in the community. And our life groups come alongside them to make a difference in our community. You know, we just wrapped up our For Our Teachers initiative and our church between all of our campuses filled a massive Penske truck full of supplies to go and to bless elementary school teachers who would normally have to purchase these supplies on their own. You know, there are a couple of people connected to to our church, people like Patty Rendon, who's running for school board, Michael Owen, who's running for county commission, who are, are trying to serve our community on biblical principles, on godly principles. They're trying to make a difference. Our Real Hope Pantry, every Wednesday, right here on campus, sees dozens and dozens of families come through, and they provide them with free food essential goods, they pray for them, they share the gospel with them, and every month 500 families come through our Real Hope House and are blessed by our church and our people. Our church is making a massive difference here in our community, a massive difference around the world, but then every single week, every Sunday, every Wednesday, there are hundreds of volunteers across all of our campuses that make this possible. We have our connections team that is greeting people in the parking lot, opening doors for people, helping people find where to, where to take their kids. We have our next gen team that, that, that love and serve on, on, on our babies, our kids, our middle schoolers, our, our high schoolers on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. We have our adult life groups, we have leaders who, who prepare a, a, a lesson every week, who spend time connecting outside of, uh, of their small group, who are loving on the adults in their, their group. We have our worship and production team that pulls off our incredible services every week. Every week, hundreds of volunteers give up time to make a difference, to serve. We serve because we are contributors, not just consumers. So why is it so important to serve? Like what, 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 what's the big deal? Why does it matter? What does what serving do? For the next few minutes, I'm just gonna be straight up, I'm gonna do my best to give a pitch as to why you need to be serving, as to why you need to, to move from, from being a consumer to being a contributor, to jump in the game and to use the gifts that God has given you. So why do we serve? What, what does serving do? The first thing is this is that serving reveals our gifts and passions. Serving reveals our our gifts and passions. You know, at times, I I think the reason we're, we're hesitant to serve is because we don't know what we're good at or we're not sure what we're passionate about. Or, or, or we're not sure how, how our gifts and our passions could, could really make a difference in the, in the church. We don't really see a ministry opportunity where we really fit in that really connects with who we are. So instead of really jumping in, we kind of just sit back because we're not sure where to jump in or we're not sure how to jump in. And listen, I, I think it's important for you to, to be aware of how God has wired you. To know where you're gifted, to know where you're not. Like if you're tone deaf, you shouldn't try out for the worship team. If you can't stand kids, like every time you're around a kid, you just wanna drop kick them, like don't serve in the preschool ministry. Please, please don't sign up. Like it's important to know how you're gifted, what, what, what you like. And we have some incredible resources here at Bell Shoals, like our iFit class that are designed to help you discover your purpose, help you figure out what you're passionate about, what you're, you're gifted at. But here's what I found to be true. The best way for you to figure out what you're good at, how you're gifted, what you're passionate about, is by jumping in and trying something new. Like serving has the ability to reveal what God has placed inside of us in a way that nothing else does. When we begin to try something new, when we jump in, when we do something, God begins to reveal these gifts, these passions that he has deposited in our hearts that oftentimes we didn't even know existed. Like, you know how I figured out I like teaching the Bible? It wasn't from a spiritual gifts test. It wasn't from going to seminary and taking Bible classes. I figured out that I enjoyed teaching the Bible by teaching the Bible. Like, I started teaching the Bible in a small group and realized, wow, there is this gift, this passion that God has placed inside of me that I didn't even know existed until I tried something new. I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Listen, there are so many different ways for you to serve here at Belshool. so many different ways for you to make a difference, and God has uniquely equipped each and every one of you to make a difference. God has given you special gifts, special passions that he desires to use for his kingdom. And if you're not sure what those are or how those may connect to our church or to ministry or to missions, my encouragement to you would be to serve to jump in, to try something new, to figure it out, because as you serve, God will begin to reveal more and more of who he has created you to be. Serving reveals our gifts and passions. Secondly is this, serving is a catalyst for growth. You see, the whole point of the pathway is spiritual growth. The whole point is is making disciples, helping us to become more like Jesus. And, And when we gather together to worship, when we sing, when we hear God's word taught, that certainly helps us grow in our faith. And when we connect in community, when we're a part of a life group, when we're doing life with other believers, that helps us to to grow in our faith. But I believe that serving has the unique ability to grow our faith so quickly in a way that nothing else can because serving, what it does is it pours gas on the fire. And when we serve, what we're doing is we are stepping outside of our comfort zone. And growth does not happen when we're comfortable. When we just attend the service or we just go to our life group with our friends and we're comfortable and we're safe, growth slows. But when we step out of that comfort zone, we begin to be stressed, we begin to be pulled, and we have to begin to rely and depend on God in a way that we haven't before. We're forced to have even greater faith. Like, you you wanna grow in your faith? Go on a mission trip. Like, leave this country with one of our teams, go on a mission trip. We take students on mission trips, and it is unbelievable to see the growth that can take place in like seven days. I mean, day one we get there and we're, we're saying, hey, we're gonna go up to these strangers that don't speak our language and take a translator and we're gonna start a conversation with them and we're gonna tell them about Jesus. And their eyes are just like, oh, wait, what are we doing? I thought we were on like vacation. I didn't think we we're gonna have to talk to strangers. And day one, the adults do most of the talking But by middle of the week, end of the week, our students are sharing their faith with these complete strangers in another country. It grows them incredibly. You wanna grow in your faith? Get plugged in with our kids' ministry. Like say, man, I'm gonna lead one of our kids' life groups. I'm gonna help out with kids' worship. I'm going to to put myself in a situation that's gonna grow me, that's gonna stretch me. You wanna grow in your faith? Give up a week during your summer and serve at VBS. Serve at kids camp. Serve at at, at summer camp. You wanna grow in your faith? Join our connections team and strike up a conversation with a stranger on a Sunday morning. Listen, if you are stalled out and just kind of stagnant in your faith, it may be because you're missing this serve piece. Jump into something that's gonna stretch you, that's gonna grow you, that's gonna cause you to rely and depend on God in a way that you haven't before. Serving is a catalyst for growth in our life. And finally, number three, serving is a multiplier. Serving is a, is a multiplier. When I was in, in high school, my my small group leaders here at, at Bell Shoals, they they played a critical role in my my spiritual development. My my high school years were by far the the most difficult years of my life. Uh, My dad passed away very early on in in my freshman year of high school, and and really for the rest of high school, I just was walking through this this process of grief, trying to process all these different emotions, trying to to, to process the, the, the hurt, the anger, the frustration, and I was really forced to figure out what I, what I believed. Like I had grown up in a, in a Christian home, my parents loved the Lord, I knew the Bible, I understood salvation, but at 15 years old, I had to make a decision like, what, what do I really believe? Am I really gonna follow Jesus? Is my parents' faith going to become my faith? And as I'm wrestling through this, this grief process, as I'm asking these questions about faith, it was during this time that my small group leaders here at church really began to step up in, in my life. And they became a constant source of support and encouragement during those, those years in high school. And, and for my small group leaders, it, w- it was so much more than just a Sunday morning thing. Like obviously I'd show up here on Sunday morning for, for life groups and they'd be there to lead the group. But these small group leaders, they were touching base with me outside of church. They were texting me. We'd meet up for coffee, we'd grab lunch together. They were spending, spending time with me. They were investing in my life and God used them in my life during my high school years to lead me to a point of true surrender. Where I was finally able, finally willing to surrender my life to Jesus, to go all in, to make my parents' faith my own. And to this day, I still have a relationship with all of my small group leaders from high school. So as I was getting ready to, to graduate high school, I started to think through, you know, okay, what's, what's my church involvement gonna look like in college? And now that I'm graduating from the student ministry, what, what's my church involvement gonna look like? And I was going to, to USF, and I was living at home, so I decided, you know what, I wanna stay connected here at, at Bell Shoals. I'll go to, to worship on Sunday morning, I'll plug in with the college ministry, but because of the difference my small group leaders had made in my life, I decided, you know, I, I wanna try to serve as a, as a small group leader. I wanna invest back in a ministry that has changed my, my life. So I reached out to our student pastor at the time and say, hey, you know, when the, when the new school year starts, I would love to serve as a, as a small group leader. And I remember my, my first Sunday morning serving as a a group leader in the student ministry. I got placed with a group of ninth grade boys. There were probably eight to 10 of them, and I was leading completely by myself. Like, no co-leader, I'm 19 years old, these guys are are 14, 15 years old, and I had no idea what I was doing. had never led a small group before, had really hardly ever taught the Bible before. And I remember that first Sunday morning, we spent the entire time talking about whether or not dinosaurs are in the Bible. And I remember leaving that day thinking, man, there's gonna be some phone calls from parents. There's no way I'm gonna be brought back to, to, to serve next week. But, but week after week, I just kept showing up on Sunday, trying to figure out how to lead a group, trying to figure out how to teach a lesson, trying to connect with these guys. And here's what happened. I started to love it. I started to look forward to it. Like as soon as it was over on Sunday, I was already looking forward to next Sunday. Like it was the highlight of my week every single week. And I loved it so much that I started serving on, on Wednesday nights with these guys. I started going to summer camp as, as a counselor. I started going to, to Movement Weekend as a, as a small group leader. I had this group of guys that I just loved, but there were four guys who were in this group that I just connected with on, on a different level. Now, obviously, I, I loved all the guys in my group. I just had this special connection with this group of, of, of four guys, and we started spending time together outside of Sunday and outside of Wednesday. We'd grab lunch after church, we'd get together to, to, to watch some football games, and, and I ended up walking all the way through their high school years with them as their small group leader, freshman year all the way through, through senior year. And it was during this time as I was leading this small group that God began to reveal in my life this calling to full-time ministry, this calling to, to student ministry. And about a year after these guys graduated high school, God opened some doors, pretty miraculously, for me to return to Bell Shoals and begin serving as as the student pastor. And the first thing I did in my first week was call these four guys and say, you gotta come serve with me. You've gotta come be be a part of this. And over the past six years, these four guys have been key leaders in our student ministry. They've been there on Sunday mornings. They've been there Wednesday nights. They've been there at summer camp. They've been there at movement weekend. They've made an incredible difference in the student ministry. And they've gone from being just students of mine to some of my, my closest friends in life. In fact, I've got a picture of them uh, this morning. This is us at uh, Josh's wedding. I'm on the left, and we have Caleb, Logan, Josh, and Zach. These were the four guys who are my small group who have served with us, close friends to this day, but, but here's, why, here's why I tell you all this. Here, here's the coolest part of this story. These four guys who have been serving are now seeing guys that have been in their small group start to serve as small group leaders. Like these guys, that they have poured their life into, that they have invested in, are now turning around and investing back into the student ministry. And we now have four generations of serving. My small group leaders invested in my life. I invested in the life of these four guys. These four guys have been investing in dozens and dozens of students. And now they have students who are beginning to serve as small group leaders as well. Listen, the, the entire... The entire student ministry today has been impacted by my small group leaders. Like God has used their obedience, their their willingness to say yes, their willingness to serve. And he has multiplied it year after year after year. You know, I think oftentimes we overestimate the impact that we can make in a week or in a month or in a semester. We feel like we should be able to jump into something and see immediate results. And then when we start serving, we start doing something and we don't see results right away in the first week, in the first month, we start to grow frustrated. And we feel like what we're doing, it's not making a difference, it doesn't matter. We feel like, man, I'm, I'm just watching kids on Sunday morning, it doesn't matter. Or I'm just holding a door, it doesn't matter. I'm just singing a song on stage, it doesn't matter. I'm just holding a camera, it doesn't matter. We overestimate the difference that we can make in a short amount of time, but we underestimate what God can do in a year, what God can do in five years, what God can do in 10 years, what God can do over a lifetime of faithfulness. God multiplies our obedience. God multiplies our faithfulness. God multiplies our service. He takes our small sacrifice, one hour on Sunday morning, one hour on a Wednesday night, one week on a mission trip, one week at a summer camp, and he multiplies it and he uses it to impact his kingdom. And that's why he's inviting each and every one of us to be a part of this multiplication that he's doing to grow his kingdom here on earth. And he wants us to be a part of that. Listen, we serve because we are contributors, not consumers. And if you're not serving, we wanna help you take that next step. We wanna help you find a place where you can make a difference with your gifts and your passions. And we wanna help you to be a part of what God is doing here at Bell Shoals. So I wanna give you just, just a few ways that, that, that you can do that. If you're, you're starting to sense, you know what? Serving is my next step. I'm, I'm willing to, to, to get in the game. Here's a few ways you can do that. The simplest one is this, is to text Bell Shoals to 77411. Bell Shoals to 77411, it's up here on the, on the screen. You can fill out the connect card, say you wanna serve. You can put where you're interested in serving. You can leave it blank and say, I I don't know. You can reach out that way. You can connect with one of our ministry leaders who's over a ministry that you may be interested in. You can connect with somebody from our connections team at one of our high tops after service. But we want to help you to be a part of what God is doing because we believe God's best for you involves you serving because you have been designed You have been created to serve, to make a difference, and to be a blessing.